What's up, everybody? It's your man, K-Mark. Welcome back to another episode of the 310 Podcast. All right. Um, today, hey, we're picking it back up. Hey, we're talking about The Last Dance, um, the 10-part docuseries about the 97-98 Michael Jordan-led Chicago Bulls. And, yeah, we're going to get into it. Um, actually, we're um, actually going to be talking about episodes two, two, um, sorry, 3 and 4 from this week. And kind of just kind of just breaking it down. Just want to give you guys my opinion, and also, hey, just want to add a little bit of context onto the conversation. So, hey, if you want to get in contact with the show, want to add your input, hey, um, hit hit me up at the three one zero podcast at gmail dot com. Yeah, just hey, shoot me an email. Let me know what you think. Hey, let me know what you think of Michael Jordan. Has this further put him up your? Your list of the greatest players of all time. Um, is he still below somebody? Is he not even closer? Maverick has even maybe even taken it down a bit for you. Let me know what's going on. Let me know what your feelings are. So with that being said, let's jump into it. And basically, um, this episode is Rodman. Um, I call this the Dennis Rodman episode. <laughs> but um, Dennis, Dennis was a very unique player. Uh Arguably, man, one of the smartest players in, in the NBA. I mean, Michael Jordan even said it on record that Dennis is probably the smartest teammate he's ever played with. And you could definitely see, especially when he was talking about things like the art of rebounding or how he pay attention to the backspin. Um, his anticipation skills, is, to me, is what sets him apart from any other player because he's very good at anticipating where the shot's going to be and he uses angles. I mean, it was truly amazing him showing and showing like kind of what he was looking at and and um Dennis I mean <laughs> like Gary Payton Prima said was the fuck up guy um he comes up there just to fuck shit up and that's basically what he did uh throughout his career I mean Dennis was he was a pest and and I and I and I totally agree with this set um with this Prima is a nuisance when he's when you're playing against him when you're on it when he's on your team you love him and i thought that was so true because i remember yeah when Rodman was with the pistons i'm like man trying to get the the crowd hype i'm like man get this dude out of here but i mean like when he's part of your team and you you love it you love it and i do remember going to a Bulls game during like the 95-96 season, during like the 72-win season, they played Utah at the United Center, and shout out to my grandmother for hooking, hook, um, hooking me up with some tickets to that game, and I mean, you just saw like the intensity, and it's, it was unmatched, and mind you, if you, if you never went to a Bulls game like in the 90s, man, slap yourself four times, because you truly missed something. Anyway, I digress. But like I said, I mean, he was definitely one of the smartest um, NBA players um, in the game. And you can definitely see how not only his teammates talk about him, but you hear his opponents, how the hell, like how they, they refer to him. And I, hey, that's like a great testament. Um, and that's why, honestly, I think he was definitely worthy of being voted into the Hall of Fame because he was he was a game changer. He was definitely a game changer for the Bulls. He was um, a game changer for the Pistons and for the Spurs. I mean, and I'll get into that in a moment. But, I mean, with the Pistons, I mean, he came in as a shy, scrawny, scrawny looking kid um, out of Southeast Oklahoma State. 
And you look at the way his career started. I mean, and honestly, I mean, he could have it could he could have really went off the deep end and very early on because I mean, if you guys don't know, I mean, he was working as a janitor at the Dallas um, Fort Worth Airport and. And if you guys read his book, I mean, he caught he got caught stealing something, uh, I believe some jewelry out of the um, out of one of the stores at the airport. And so he went and he went to jail. And like I said, I mean, stuff could have really ended up a lot, um, a lot worse than what it did. But, hey, he got out. He got he got through it, went to school, balled out, got selected in the second round by the Pistons. Um, came in. Hey, he was a defensive stopper rebounder um, he was coming off the bench especially and I mean he was he was tutored by a lot of like those veterans and he was, a, he was definitely a difference maker uh, one of the few players that I seen um, guard Magic Johnson full court 94 feet and he did that during the 98 finals which was truly amazing especially for like I said I mean, at that time he was only in the second year and he had the confidence he had the confidence and yeah, and that's kind of what happened to him. I mean, he started to get more playing time, and then eventually he started to like be noted as um, as one of the be- better defensive players in the league, and then ultimately winning back to back defensive player um, defensive player of the year awards in ninety ninety one, as well as uh, winning two championships, and then Dennis. I will say this: Dennis definitely had some demons, especially. Um, and I know majority of it came when kind of like when the Pistons were kind of falling apart after the the 91-92 season. The 90, that same season, the 91-92 season, when he averaged over 18 boards a game and was selected to a second All-Star game. And the divorce to his wife, as well as his um, the breaking up, I mean, he had players like James Edwards leaving, Vinny Johnson leaving, Mark Aguirre eventually left. And I think he had a really a hard time adjusting, and especially after Chuck Daly left, just doing his own thing, and he was starting to rebel a lot. Um, and then you also saw where he had a shotgun in his truck in front of the palace, and Lord only knows what was gonna happen, what would have happened. And so after that season, he was traded for Sean Elliott to the Spurs, and. If you got a lot of you guys don't remember the the movie Demolition Man with Wesley Snipes, I mean, he came out with his hair dyed blonde and things like that, and that's kind of where it started. Dennis dyed his hair, and all of a sudden, boom, there you go. We got a new Dennis Rodman, and he went to the Spurs, and like I said, I mean, he continued to ball out, um, averaging 17, 18 boards a game, getting on people's nerves, and... <laughs> Yeah, and the thing is, uh, one thing he made life a lot easier for David Robinson. I mean, because he arguably those are two of David Robinson's best years, which I mean, he was very close to winning the MVP in '94, but actually went in and winning the thing in '95. But the thing was, is though, it was the issues with the in the playoffs. I mean, Robin. Yeah, I mean, there were times where he kind of had some issues during the regular season, but I think in the playoffs, that's definitely where everything kind of sh- uh, shone his light on with Rodman. I mean, during um, the '94 series against Utah in the first round, I mean, Dennis got himself um, 
And then in 95, Dennis, uh, he definitely has a problem, especially like, like in the Lakers series in the second round where he took off his shoes on the sidelines. And I mean, the Spurs made a big deal about it. And pretty much everything kind of came to head, especially in the Western Conference Finals against um, Houston. I mean, you saw Rodman was in, uh, was disengaged with the team, and from time to time, like when they were huddled on, on the sidelines, he would be just off in his own world and not really paying attention. So that right there, I mean, also led them to getting put out by the Rockets. I mean, that in Akeem Olajuwon just totally outplaying David Robinson was another reason, but Rodman's detachment from the team was definitely a reason why they lost that series. Well, it was one of the reasons I'll say that. Let me change that. And so from there, I mean, hey, he basically fast forward to the 95 offseason. Um, the Bulls are definitely looking for a power forward after getting killed by Horace Grant during the 95 playoffs with Orlando. Contrary to what people believe, Scotty and Michael did not beg Rodman to join them. I'm going to tell you that right now. They did not beg him to join them because you saw during the Rodman 30 for 30, Jordan, there, there was like, there was an issue. There was like, no, no, nah, we're good on that. So eventually Phil and Jerry Crowder, they were like, you know what? I think we can handle him. And so, hey, Michael and them said, hey, if you feel you guys can handle him, hey, let's, let's see what happens. So there's the infamous meeting at Jerry Crowder's, uh, Jerry Crowder's residence where, um, Dennis comes over, it's Jerry Krause, Scotty, Michael, Phil, and Phil asks him, like, hey, Dennis, um, how do you feel about being the bull? Rodman's like, I don't give a damn. And I think that right there was kind of like Phil's like, all right, you know what? Hey, I, I like this guy. I think I think him and I, we could bond. And this it was with Scotty Pippen back um, during the 91 playoff with, with Rodman. And there was a situation where Pippen caught a pass and was going for a layup and Rodman gave him a hard foul and pushed him into the stands. And I think Scotty had like a lacerated uh, laceration on his chin or something like that. And Phil made Rodman apologize to Scotty about that. Rodman was like, what? And then Rodman was like, all right, whatever. And so he apologized and Scotty was like, hey, man, it's all good. So. That's what happened. They traded for Rodman, I believe, for Will Purdue, which was, that's a crackhead trade right there. Shoot. <laughs> that's kind of how it went. Uh, Rodman was with the Bulls, and you could definitely see him and Jordan definitely bond, especially during, like, the 98 season when Pippen was gone. I mean, Dennis was looking at it. Hey, look, hey, I'm second in, um, in charge, and Michael needs me. And uh, Dennis's play pretty much picked up after, like, kind of, like, some lackluster performances. And honestly, I'll say this. I mean, and even Phil even said, hey, Dennis was the reason why that team was, was actually able to kind of hold above water because Dennis really wasn't into the antics. He was kind of just playing like a model citizen from that point. And hey, I mean, that's the reason. And like I said, I mean, hey, that's the reason why they were where they were when Scotty came back. Um, and I would definitely say my favorite Rodman moment with the Bulls. I remember, I would just say Rodman in general was during the 98 finals, it was game four, close seesaw game. And Rodman, of course, if anybody knows, Rodman is a horrible free throw shooter. And this will probably be shown maybe during maybe the the last episode of The Last Dance, where Rodman gets fouled by Malone and gets fouled another time. 
walked up to the free throws and just went clutch mode. Bang, 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 just made all his free throws to help kind of put the game away. And that right there just kind of shows, hey, even through like all the dresses and wearing all the earrings and whatnot and the tattoos, I mean, hey, this dude, this dude wanted to win and this dude would do whatever it takes to win. And hey, I mean, hey, I appreciate that. He definitely did that. And so one of the things that I definitely liked was um, definitely the interaction with Jordan and Rodney on the bench. Um, I know there was like a play in New York and where Jordan and Rodney, like they were talking about switches, like how to switch on defense and stuff like that. I mean, this is part of the last dance that I was I was looking I wanted to hear. I mean, I wanted to hear the behind the scenes, the nuts and bolts of everything and kind of what made this team great, because believe it or not, hey, they did have some um, they did have good communication out there on the court. And one thing I would definitely say, I mean, I pride myself on knowing a lot that went on during the Bulls run, but she, I damn sure know about that four, that 48 hour vacation trip that Rodman had to Vegas. I did not know about that one. And so, yeah, when that popped up, I'm like, wait a minute. And shoot, and I've been like, Jordan, like, shoot, man, if anybody needs a vacation, it's me. Shoot. But, I mean, and that's what, honestly, I feel that makes Phil Jackson the coach that he is because, I mean, Phil's able to read his players and knows what each each one of his players needs. And he saw that Rodman needed some time away, even though it was like 48, minutes, 48 hours and and he needed that because, yeah, I mean, if he didn't, Rodman probably would have flown off the deep end. And like I said, I mean, that's just what makes Phil arguably the greatest coach of all time is just the ways that he deals with egos and deals with other players. And not many, not many coaches would allow that, definitely. So with that being said, hey, um, so far, I mean, it pretty much like kind of like where the, the timeline kind of picks up. And matter of fact, real quick, shout out to that timeline. I actually like it. I actually like how they, they, they switch it back because it's like, I mean, you have just followed. I, I tell people like this. I see people who kind of post it like, man, why they have that timeline? Dude, just pay attention to the timeline. It's not really that hard to figure out. I mean, man, just just go with the flow. Stop complaining. <laughs> But um, basically, kind of like where the timeline kind of picks off is where um, Doug Collins gets hired by Chicago. And after being put out um, in the first round, the first three years, I mean, the Bulls finally start to kind of rid themselves of a lot of the, the head cases on those early Bulls teams. And they really start to kind of draft. They start to draft a lot better. Like I said, me picking up Pippen and Horace Grant during the 87 draft which would definitely be the cornerstones of the first three titles, they show 1988, and which was the first year I really started watching basketball, was the 1988 season. And pretty much they kind of show, they kind of start off the montage to uh, Princess Party Man. People who don't know, that's kind of like a very popular song off the movie Batman from 1989 when the Joker was on the art museum. And so, I mean, they're showing all of Jordan's highlights from 88, dunking on everybody. And that was a hell of a year for him. And, I mean, he won the MVP championship. He won the the All-Star Game MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, All-NBA team, All-Defensive team. True, yeah, he didn't win a championship, but, I mean, his team got a little more playoff experience. Um, 
They won 50 games that year, which I believe put them in the East, which was me behind Boston and Detroit. So that year, that was the year that they won their first playoff game, which was against Cleveland. And mind you, I love Scotty. Scotty's one of my favorite, all-time favorite players, but Scotty was not the main reason why they won that series, please. Because you hear all these uh, Jordan naysayers, oh, he's one in nine in the playoffs without Pippen, or he's he never won a first-round game without Pippen. I mean, think about it. I mean, look at the roster that he was dealing with. And the fact of the matter that he drug that team to the playoffs is accomplished accomplishment all in its own and but like I said I'm not gonna die um spend too much time on that but anyway the Bulls hey they was able to beat Cleveland hey and like I said me like I said Scotty helped Scott definitely helped um coming in because like I said he didn't start majority of that season anyway as a rookie and then matter of fact, he didn't really start until actually game five of the first round against Cleveland and like I said that was able to propel the Bulls into the second round where they'll meet up with their rivals, the Detroit Pistons, and pretty much everybody knows those are the bad boys. I mean, with you had so many um, noteworthy players like Isaiah, Dumars, um, Rick Mahorn, Bill Lane Beard, James Edwards, John Sally, Dennis Rodman before he had the, the tattoos and the in, in the colorful hair, and coached by Hall of Fame coach Chuck Daly. And they were coming. They were coming into their own as well. I mean, the year prior, they were they were in the Eastern Conference Finals, battling Boston to get to the finals. And that's that's the series where Isaiah threw the ball away to Bird, and because they had they had Boston beat. And I think honestly, I think if Detroit wins that game, they move on to the finals in '87 to play the Lakers. But um, yeah, Detroit was coming up. They were coming. Um, they were rising the ranks of the East and. Yeah, they were the bad boys for the brutality. I mean, they had they had the horses up front to knock you down, and then you had, like I said, I mean, you had other players in the backcourt. And like I said, and I forgot one player, Vinny Johnson, the microwave super sub coming off the bench will light you up. And so, hey, they were rising in the East, and you get a second round matchup with Boston, um, Chicago, and Detroit. And so, Detroit wins the first game. Chicago comes back in Detroit, wins game two, take away home court advantage. So go to Chicago for three, four over the weekend. And yeah, that was brutal. Detroit beat the dog crap out of them both in back-to-back games, Saturday, Sunday in Chicago. And go to Detroit and Detroit closes them out. So right there, I mean, hey, I mean, the Bulls kind of got that first experience, that first playoff series win. But, I mean, hey, they came on, they ran across a team that was, honestly, they had a little bit more experience. They had um, the playoff savvy from playing against Boston the year a year prior. And eventually they would go on to beat Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals in 88. And, and real quick, don't mean to divert, but for those who do not know, and a lot of people talk about, especially after the, the 91 walkout with Detroit, that everybody brings up that Boston, that Boston initially walked out on Detroit first. Wrong, wrong, wrong. So let me give you guys some context. So looking back at it, if anybody remembers the, the old Silver Dome, the locker room was through the fans. 
it was through the fans where, like I said, yeah, they would have to go through the fans and get to the locker room. Back in those days, fans used to storm the court. I mean, the NBA has better security now. And matter of fact, even in, in, into the 90s, you really see, you've never seen uh, fans storm the court. But back in the 80s, you've seen it. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember, I mean, hey, back in the 84 finals, I mean, that image of the, of the Celtics fans kind of going into the um, uh, charging the court after they beat the Lakers for the, um, for the title. Yeah, that happened. So, and if, and I'm, and for those who don't know, during the 87 finals with the Lakers and Celtics, once when the Lakers beat them on their home uh, in, in LA to win the title, um, there was some fans that, that, that rushed on the court and even Larry Bird had to kind of push them off and had to be separated from one because yeah, fan was like all in, all in his face saying, yeah, you sign all that stuff. So going back to that game um, against Detroit, the game was kind of winding down and uh, the Pistons got fouled. One of the Pistons players got fouled, but you could see um, some fans starting to run on the court. And so one of the refs did to kind of prevent any altercations to happen they stopped the game. They allowed the Celtics players to leave the court. And even some of the Pistons players left the court to just prevent any type of scenes or any kind of craziness. So, and even before they left, you could see, if you look closely, you saw Dennis Johnson and a couple other Celtics go and shake the hands of the Pistons before they left. And most of you guys have seen the iconic um, um, clip of, Kevin McHale and Isaiah Thomas uh, shaking it up before um, bef- uh, before McHale left the court. So to those who don't know, I just gave you some context. To Isaiah Thomas, if you're listening, go back and look. And even the announcer, Dick Stockton, even said that. And if you also go look at game five of the 88 finals, basically the same damn thing happened where the game was virtually over. The crowd was getting crazy. The... Um, the refs allowed the Lakers to leave the court as well. And even Isaiah even left the court early. So, hey, like I said, just want to add some context to you guys. And so, anyway, Detroit goes on to the finals, and they lose to the Lakers in a hard-fought seven-game series. Honestly, Detroit should have won that series, won that series because um, they were up 3-2, heading back to the form, and Detroit was one stop away from winning the title. And, of course... Kareem shoots the sky hook, and honestly, it's a that was a phantom foul that was called on Lane Beer. Kareem, of course, got fouled, went to the line, knocked down two free throws. LA wins the title, and trust me, I I felt bad for Zeke because that was a game that Isaiah busted up his ankle, but still came back and gutted out like forty some points. I mean, come on, like on a bad ankle. Come on. so Detroit had that experience from losing in the finals. And playing against Boston in L.A., which I think would definitely carry them um, into their championship run. And so with that, I'm going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. Okay, family, I'm back. I'm back. So just want to just highlight, get into a little bit more of this last dance. Um, We're starting with the 89 season where um, the Bulls, they made a, um, a shocking trade in a sense. Um, matter of fact, and it was during the uh, Mike Tyson, Michael Spinks fight, which really wasn't that long. If you really think about it, it was that uh, the Bulls had traded um, their power forward and Jordan's quote unquote bodyguard, Charles Oakley, for 
aging Bill Cartwright. Mind you, Cartwright, I mean, he had some bad feet and and Oakley was relatively young. And Jordan looked at him. That was like Jordan's best friend on the team. He, um, Jordan looked at him. At, it was like a bodyguard. Uh, and basically, like, um, like whenever you see Oakley with the Bulls, he was always like, if Jordan got hit hard, Oakley was right there to either pick him up or to, he Oakley was ready to throw blows with Mahorn, the Rick Mahorns of the world, the Bill Lane Beers, or anybody else that would take a cheap shot at Jordan. Man, Oakley was like, shoot, you heard my dude? Hey, we going, we going toes right now. So they traded Oakley for Cartwright, and Oakley would be a definite focal point later on, especially during the 90s and the Bulls run. But yeah, the Bulls, they, they really didn't get off to a strong start for the most part because I remember Scotty was hurt. He had a um, He had back surgery. Um, that off season, so it took them like a little bit, um, a little while to come back. So I told them, but um, they were struggling um, around February of that season. I think um, Doug Collins decided, hey, you know what? I'm gonna put the ball in Jordan's hand, which is something that he wanted anyway. I mean, and that was the reason why Jordan and Collins got along so well because Doug wanted to put, give his, uh, give the man the ball and let him go to work, and so. Yeah, Doug um, gave Michael the ball and Jordan Brand point guard throughout um, the last half of the season. And Jordan did um, have the record before Russell Westbrook broke it for the most consecutive triple doubles in the season. And yeah, they kind of got into a mini roll and got into the playoffs. And so, I mean, from there, hey, and like Jordan said, hey, back in those days, you play your divisional opponent six times and. Cleveland swept them one six straight from and from there. Hey, the Bulls kind of battled into a five game series and it was back and forth. And man, <laughs> shout out to my man Ron Harper, man, because he wanted to guard Mike on the last possession. And Lady Wilkins was like, nah, we're putting Elo on him. And Ron Harper was like, man, fuck this bullshit. <laughs> and of course, you guys know what happened. Jordan hits the shot. The Bulls get that dramatic playoff win. And I think that shot right there kind of propelled them um, to bigger things coming up because that gave them the confidence that they can win um, a close playoff series on the road. And they went on, they beat New York in the second round, um, who believe had the um, like the second best record in the East. And they move on to that conference finals to play those Pistons. And mind you, the Pistons had, like I said, I mean, they had came off um, the finals appearance to the Lakers. I mean, they had the best record in the league, had the odds, was like the odds on favorite to win the title. So Bulls go in, they win game one. Detroit, um, Detroit wins game two at home. So scene switches to Chicago and Detroit, game three, Detroit's killing the Bulls. And Jordan kind of just took it over and kind of just dominated and hit that bank shot over Robin to win the game. From there, the series changed because you saw when Detroit put the Jordan rules in. That's 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 the inception right there. And hats off to um, thank you for Brendan Malone for kind of teaching the public what the Jordan rules. I mean, I knew what it was. Uh, and it's very simple. It's basically very simple. Hey, I mean, you try not to let him go baseline. Which is, I mean, the dude's terrific on the baseline. You try to make him go left instead of right because he's he's great using uh, going to going to his right 
he's only good when he goes to his left. So they forced him, they forced him there. And when they double and when Michael was in the post, they would double him with a man on uh, coming from the top of the key. So, I mean, it's very simple. And then base, and at the end of the day, if he breaks all that down, goes to the basket, hey, you got your you got your hogs down um, on the front court to put him down. Mahorn, Aguirre, Lambeer, Rodman, Sally. That's a bunch of fouls to use. And they use them. They use them to brutalize them. And so they put the Jordan rules in. Detroit wins game four. And going into that game five, I do remember um, Doug Collins kind of wanted Jordan to kind of literally play point guard and trying to get his teammates involved because Detroit was going to be focusing more on him. And so he was like, all right, just play point guard. And and that was the game. Jordan, he didn't really didn't shoot a lot. And a lot of people were kind of wondering. And Jordan was like, dude, they were sending the double team at me. I'm not going to force up a shot <laughs> and make things even worse. And so the Bulls, they lost that game. Game six back in Chicago. That was the game where Scotty got knocked out during the first couple of minutes by Bill Lambeer. And... Pretty much that was it. Detroit beat Chicago, moved on to the finals, swept L.A. I mean, despite Magic and Byron both jacking up their hamstrings. But Detroit sweeps, they win their first title. And, yeah, that definitely kind of kicks the rivalry up a little bit more. And going into 1990, um, the Bulls made another shocking move by firing Doug Collins and bringing in Phil Jackson. And, yeah, and pretty much like kind of like what you saw was, I mean, um, Jerry Carls wanted the the triangle to be installed a lot more. And, of course, he saw that Phil was definitely interested in running it. And basically from there, hey, he was like, you know what, hey, I'm going to hire Phil as the head coach. And then you saw that one of Phil's biggest, um, biggest moves – was to bring Tex Winter back into the fold because before that Tex was scouting and really wasn't with the team on the bench. So, um, and like I said, and I think Doug kind of was just tired of that of Michael of Tex Winter bring asking about the triangle offense. So, hey, with that being said, hey, Scotty um, matures a little bit more. He gets um, he gets um, voted to his first All Star uh, first All Star game. And he started to play a little bit more consistently. I mean, from what from what I saw and from from what I remember, his game started to pick up a little bit more. He's becoming more of a viable second option behind Jordan. And that season, hey, the Bulls won 55 games. Jordan torches Cleveland again for 69 points and 18 rebounds, both both those career highs. And and I think that was also the year that Jordan had his jersey stolen in Orlando, had to wear the number 12. So that's a little quick tidbit for you. So um, playoffs roll roll around again. Um, Chicago smokes Milwaukee, beats Philly. And that, that Philly series to me is probably one of Jordan's more most underrated series because he bought out. And I remember it was the two game. It was the Bulls that won the first two games. The, the middle two, of course, it was in Philly. Um Scotty had lost his dad um, that game, but still played. And I remember Philly getting up by 29, I believe, and in the fourth quarter. And the Bulls just made a huge charge to get back into that game. Jordan went bananas. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen that, uh, seen that game, but I mean, go back and look at the highlights of Jordan just going ballistic in the fourth quarter and literally almost brought that team back to win. So 
fast forward to game four. Scotty's out um, because of his dad and his dad's funeral. And Philly's up big in the fourth quarter again. And Jordan, once again, goes bananas. And the Bulls were able to pull it out and end up going up 3-1, eventually closing the series out, which sets up uh, Eastern Conference Finals once again with Detroit. And goes back to game seven in Detroit. And looking back, and, it's, and look, I, I went back and watched it maybe about a couple of weeks ago, game seven. And one of the things, the first things I looked at, because like they showed the introductions and other games and stuff like that when the Bulls were in the lot, um, coming out um, of the locker room and they were huddling. And the first person I looked at was Scotty. And you could see in his eyes, it was just something wasn't right at all. And looking back at it, I was like, dude, why am I not surprised that some, something didn't happen? And from there, hey, the, the Bulls pretty much, I mean, it was close maybe like for the first quarter. And then Detroit just beat the dog crap out of them and ended up eliminating them in seven. And that that was when um, Jordan was on the bus upset saying, man, we may never, ever get this opportunity again. And. Yeah, I mean, he really thought that they would win. And looking back on it, I mean, as a fan, honestly, I don't think they were ready. They they weren't ready to take on that atmosphere in Detroit. I mean, the Pistons had the experience, um, the champion. They were like defending champions. I just and honestly, they were better. They were better. They were really sharper. They were mentally tougher than the Bulls. And it definitely showed during that um, during parts of that series, especially game seven. Now, do I think if Pippen plays, do I think they win? I don't think so. Like I said, I just don't think that at that time they were mature enough and ready to handle that that atmosphere. And now I think the game is a little bit closer, and maybe Chicago has a shot, a chance at winning because I mean, hey, Scotty's an animal, and so. Um, Detroit moves on, ends up winning their second straight NBA title. And right now the Bulls are like, Jordan's looking like, man, will I ever win a title? So basically kind of keeping up with the timeline. Um, I mean, the Bulls, um, they're about 24 and 11 by the time Scotty gets back. And yeah, they're moving, they're moving on to that, um, that West coast swing a little bit. And I mean, right. I mean, they're they're starting to, and if I remember correctly, yeah, they started to play a lot better. They're beating, they beat the Rockets. I remember, like on NBC, and Jordan was really playing well at that at that particular time. And people were asking, like, man, why, why is this guy thinking about leaving? I mean, he's still arguably the best player in the game. And yeah, he was definitely was, but you could also see that all this, all the pressure and everything was really starting to wear down on him. And honestly, hey, I I, I give him all the credit in the world because me. Man, if you would have kept just people just keep asking me the same question. I'd be like, look, what did I say? I mean, we don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to play. And like I said, I mean, he was better than me because, yeah, I would have just said I would have made one big press conference and said, look, this is how I feel. I'm not. And after that, I'm not talking about it. No more the rest of the season. I'm trying to win a championship. And once once that time comes, we'll talk about it. So but that's the media for you. But going back to um, back to the timeline, <laughs> um, the 91 squad, I mean, arguably, I think that was actually the best Bulls team because they were young, they were youthful, they were athletic, and they were determined to win that title. 
So after the fun, after the conference finals lost to Detroit, hey, they hit the weights. Jordan hit the weights. Um, they were they were determined. They're really determined on when on beating Detroit first off, and then possibly winning the championship. But I know the first thing is first is with them knocking off Detroit. So the Bulls, I mean, got to they did get off to a slow start because I think that was like the last time that the Bulls would lose three straight with Jordan at the helm. And but they rebound. They ended up winning 61 games, which was um, the second best record in the league behind Portland, who had lo- who had just lost to Detroit in the finals. So they came back and they were killing it. Um, one of the main things, one of the things that definitely helped the Bulls kind of overcome that hurdle was Scotty in his development. I mean, shoot, yeah, the triangle came in the year prior, but. This um, 91 is when they really started to put the ball in Pippen's hands as the quote-unquote point forward. And he balled out. I mean, you could see the confidence on his face towards, like, the end of the regular season and into the playoffs because he is shooting that jump shot with confidence and making it, which is, I mean, of course, I mean, that's, like, the keys is your confidence. And so, Scotty, I mean, you just look at the way he walked, and like I said, he just walked with a lot more confidence, something that you did not see in 1990. Jordan said, he was like, man, I don't have a problem fighting, fighting for you. I need you to fight also. And so, I mean, when Rodman would irritate him and and stuff like that, I mean, hey, Scotty wasn't backing down. And so Bulls win 61 games. They win the Central. They go into the playoffs. Of course, they show that the, the dunk over Ewing. They beat Barkley and the Sixers again. And they meet up with Detroit in the conference finals. This time, the Bulls got home court advantage, and Jordan was ready. I mean, he was emotionally ready. But like I said, you can definitely see Scotty actually, like I said, taking taking command and taking ownership in this. I mean, in a sense, like I, I, I've always said, the biggest reason why the Bulls won was not because of Jordan, but was a Scotty Pippen. Scotty literally manned the hell up. And I'm like, it's about time he manned up. So, of course, the Bulls win the first two games at home. But I think the key to that series was game three. True, yeah, the um, the Bulls had confidence going into game one because, I mean, the year prior, they had beaten Detroit all three times in the playoffs at home. So they knew that they could beat them at home as well as they did during the regular, se- in, um, during the regular season. But I think the key, like I said, was game three when they went to Detroit and Detroit was desperate. And played, they played the, the, their best ball of the this, of this series. And the Bulls were able to kind of keep their composure, keep their poise, and ended up beating them in Detroit in a close game, too. Arguably the best game of that series in regards to the Pistons. I really wish they would have showed what Jordan was um, saying in the buildup to game four. Because Jordan, did, Jordan was talking, and he, he did not hold his tongue back when talking about the Pistons. So... That part, yeah. I, I wish they would have showed that part also, but hey, you know what? It is what it is. But so going into game four, I mean, that's when when I was talking about earlier about Rodman shoving Pippen, Pippen to the stands. That's um, it happened that game right there. So of course the Bulls are smacking the Pistons on their home court, and Detroit pretty much they they just like hey, no, we ain't shaking these MFers hands, and they decided to walk out with seven seconds left in the game. And they just walk right past. And, and like, the lasting image is you see Isaiah, like, kind of ducking his head, like, kind of just sneaking out and trying not to be seen. And 
One thing I will say, though, I mean, there were a couple Pistons that did shake hands. Um, I believe John Sally did, Vinnie Johnson, Joe Dumars did. The rest of them just kind of just, like Horace Grant said, straight up bitches. <laughs> the way that they ran out. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, they got your butt kicked and you just kind of just kind of hide your tail between your legs and run off. Uh, I mean, I... And I definitely see where Chicago was coming from because it's like, dude, each of the last two years, I mean, hey, we shook your hand. Hey, we took it. Hey, we we took it on the chin. And true, yeah, it hurt. But hey, you know, hey, we're man enough to shake your hands. But hey, Detroit, yeah, that was there were there was some that was something different. Um, and I know I know some of the people are gonna be like, well, Jordan was trash talking. I don't blame him. Well, I mean, yeah, but you also gotta look at how Detroit openly mocked the Bulls during those years that they were beating them. Like, they literally beat the hell out of them. And a lot of cheap shots. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you definitely understand where the um, Jordan was coming from. But, hey, it is what it is. Um, as we know, I mean, there was definitely some ripple effects, which I'm pretty sure that they'll talk about during um, the next episode of, of, of the next of the last dance in regards to Isaiah and the Dream Team. So... The Bulls finally make it to the finals. Um, Jordan is matched up with Magic Johnson. Going into the finals, I mean, of course, everybody's looking at this is Jordan against Magic and putting the onus back on the individual matchup, which Jordan had indicated, especially in an interview uh, with former Laker coach Pat Riley, is that he's trying to, he wanted to move away from that matchup with Magic because he definitely wants to bring his um, his teammates onto that same platform instead of saying Jordan and the Jordanaires. I mean, they want to say the Chicago Bulls. And but hey, that's not that's not how the media and NBC works. So you got the Jordan versus Magic matchup, and yeah, I mean the Bulls came out nervous. Um, Jordan actually, Jordan actually had a real good game, and besides from Jordan, I think Pippen Pippen did okay. Pippen did okay. But other than that, Grant was struggling, Paxson was struggling, Cartwright was um struggled, and it was a close game. And Sam Perkins hit hit a three to put the uh, Lakers ahead. Of course, Jordan missed the game winner, game um the game winning shot that that rim in and out, and the Lakers ended up winning that game to go one zero. And me as a fan, all right, I'm like, man, I don't know. I was kind of getting a little nervous because it's like, dude you lost the biggest asset they had was the home court advantage. And I'm thinking like, dang, three games in LA tied bulls better get this second dub and quick. So game two, um, which Jordan, like, like game one, he got into foul trouble, a little bit of foul trouble trying to guard magic. So Phil made the switch, put Scotty on magic. And then from there, um, Scotty pressed magic, kind of like rhyme at 94 feet. And that kind of like turned the series around where Jordan hit um, the 13 straight field goals. And trust me, people, it wasn't just dunks and stuff like that. No, he was making jump shots. He did the move where he switched from one, like he's about to dunk, he switched hands and flipped it off the glass and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah, that image still is still shown to this day, to this day. And that and pretty much after that, hey, the Bulls kind of smoked the Lakers during Game Two. Ty series heading back to L.A. And you know what? Let me tell you guys a quick story about when the Lakers went to L.A. 
Um, mind you, I'm in the fourth grade at this time, and my parents, they played hooky. And want to know why? They went to go see the Bulls get off the plane and go to the and go um, and go to the um, hotel. I don't know how they did this, but somehow my parents got into the hotel, and my dad has his camcorder, and it's a it's, and literally Jordan is walking right by him, and Jordan just starts smiling, starts smiling. I'm like, bruh, y'all didn't tell me, y'all y'all didn't bother just to say, hey, Curtis, we're gonna go see the Bulls take you with us nah i'm sitting here at this colonial thing for a field trip while my parents went to go see the bulls trust me i'm still pissed about that mom and dad anyway but yeah they uh, my mom got a picture with scotty and of horse and she got them to sign like this little book of hers and so they come back telling me i'm pissed off so anyway that's enough about that i'm 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 done i'm done being pissed off about that <laughs> So, hey, game three, Lakers get up big, the Bulls make a big run, and Jordan ties, he kind of redeemed himself in a sense um, from missing that shot in game one. He came back in game three and tied the game up and sent it to overtime, and of course the Bulls smacked him up and won game three to go up 2-1. Game four, um, Bulls basically dominate that game, and... For those who don't know me, Worthy James Worthy was um, he was hurt. He was he came um, he came to the finals with a, a ankle um, that he had against the previous series against Portland, and so he re-injured it. And this time he was done for the rest for the uh, remainder of the series. Um, and then also Byron Scott, who virtually was he was done. And so he gets hurt. He's out for that series. You got to give credit to the Lakers. Because, I mean, they're missing Worthy, Scott, and they still battled the Bulls. Had Eldon Campbell, Tony Smith come in and put up some solid numbers. And, yeah, it was a close game to the fourth quarter. And there's when Phil Jackson asks, like, Michael, who's open? Jordan's like, John Paxson. Phil's like, get him the ball. He's open. So, hey, Mike started picking apart the defense. Boom, boom, boom. And, hey, Paxton started knocking down jump shots and ended up putting uh, putting the game away. And that series right there did definitely show that Jordan definitely would be a team player because he actually had – he actually averaged 11 assists per game during that series, which is a record for a non-point guard. Yes, yes. Even even more than – averaging more than LeBron did in the finals. Trust me. Yeah. So – Anyway, so the Bulls ended up um, ended up winning the title, uh, and and kind of like, hey, the Bulls were kind of more of a, a deceiving team, especially and basically one of the more underrated things that people really didn't really talk about was their defense, which they unleashed on the Lakers. So yeah, like I say, a lot of people didn't really know that the Bulls were considered underdogs going into that finals. Um, and so, yeah, they ended up winning the title in five in L.A. And everybody has the image of Jordan hugging the trophy and everything like that. And, I mean, it was great. It was great to see him finally reach the mountaintop. And even his teammates, I mean, Will Perdue even said, I mean, the only thing they seen him was anger and rage and stuff like that. But for him to show those emotions after winning that title, I mean, that definitely kind of hit like, wow, this dude is really human. So... So, yeah, um, that was, yeah, so that pretty much kind of just caps off the, the finals. I mean, hey, Jordan is finally a champion. And so using that timeline again and pretty much where 
we kind of finish off where I'm going to be finished off at is a regular season of the game in Utah where um, pretty much everybody's talking about, Hey, this is the, the two best records on uh, the two top teams in the NBA. And this could be a definitely a preview of the finals. And I mean, the Bulls, I mean, mind you, the Bulls had already lost to Utah, maybe like a week prior on Super Bowl Sunday in Chicago, Utah came in pissed off and they beat them. They beat the Bulls. And honestly, at that point, honestly, as a fan, I was just like, all right, you know what? I'm not really tripping. I was like, you know what? Really, I just want to watch the Super Bowl. I mean, hey, Bulls will get them back. But um, Jerry Krause, going into that second Utah game about a week later, came out and reiterated the fact that, hey, this Bulls team will not be back together again, which honestly, at that point, that was just a that was just piss poor timing. Dude, why now? It's kind of like he just wanted to just reiterate. I don't care what happened. They're, they ain't coming back. So Bulls get off to a blazing start in Utah. I mean, they are up by at least about 24-25 in the second quarter. And so um, Utah ends up making a, making a rally, and they end up winning the game. And so the Bulls pretty much go into the All-Star break with like a 37 and something, or like a 35 and something record. I can't remember. So that pretty much brings us to a close. Uh, I just want to thank you guys for listening to another episode of the 310 Podcast. And definitely, uh, one of, definitely we'll be picking this up next week. I expect, I kind of think like they'll kind of hit on a lot of these, um, these topics after Jordan wins his first title. I mean, the whole spotlight kind of goes to him now because Magic then retires Bird is kind of descending. I mean, we really didn't, don't really know what his future holds. So the league's marquee was basically Jordan on his own. And so um, I'm pretty sure they're going to talk about the spotlight and probably even some of the gambling that, that took place um, maybe during like the 92 season where people started to kind of, there's like a little bit of whispering. Pretty sure like they may talk about um, maybe some of the, the political stuff that took place um with like Jesse Helms and 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 stuff like that um they I'm pre- I'm willing to guarantee that they're going to talk about like like his his rise through like with the endorsements and how um they're going to be looking at that um I'm pretty sure they're going to be talking about the dream team and the his battles with the Knicks and the Atlantic City trip and during the 93 Eastern Conference final and of course I've already seen some, I've already seen kind of like the previews. So that's when Kobe comes into play. So I know it's definitely going to be emotional for a lot of people. They're going to be talking about Kobe and yeah, rest in peace to the Mamba. Um, definitely. Um, I definitely hope that they talk about like maybe like their matchups and stuff like that. And their two regular season matchups and possibly the, even the all-star games. So with that being said, Hey, if you want to get in contact with the show, you can hit me up at the310podcast at gmail.com. Um, hey, let me know what you think about the last dance. Hey, give me your Jordan moments or whatever you want to talk about. Hey, let's converse about this thing. So with that being said, I'm your man, K-Mart. I'll catch you with you later. Peace.